Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a Dub Lab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the Dub Lab Radio Archives. There was one vinyl that my mom used to uh, play me when I was probably like around six, seven-ish, which was Rimsky-Korsakov. The uh, Shirazade, and it was. She told me the story. It was about this kind of uh, this journey through the uh, over an ocean, and that unfortunately ended really badly. I think the ship sank, and uh, it was very, very over romantic. And I remember listening to that, like my mind totally like on fire. That was uh, sort of pretty epic. Um, I liked the Rimsky-Korsakov piece um, also because it was very sensual and very um, passionate and very open. We lived in this kind of tiny little house in, on the suburbs of, of uh, Reykjavik. I think my mom had kind of found this, uh, she was sort of a, a, a bit of a hippie, kind of didn't have much money, but she also was trying to sort of be outside the grid or whatever and um and we had this tiny house with only one bedroom that would like leak when it rained and we had to like me and my brother had to like empty buckets of water middle of the night we just thought the whole thing was like an adventure and in that little little house um by the uh, by this salmon river uh, that goes through Reykjavik um you know, just to put that album on, like the vinyl. And it was just this kind of totally exotic, sensual world. Yeah, I mean, I could probably sit here all day and uh, remember more and more peaks for me that have been uh, related to to music. Uh, I definitely... Remember listening to a lot of the stuff my my stepdad would play. It was basically music playing twenty four seven in my house, really loud, and he really followed really well what always what was current, and I was really uh, blessed in that way. And then I remember when he kind of came home with this album that it just that, that I felt like wow, that's like more me, you know was an album called Don Juan's Reckless Daughter with, uh, with Johnny Mitchell. And I was just, like, obsessed. I was probably about 13 at the time, 14. I'm Don Juan's Reckless Daughter I came out two days on your tail Those two bald-headed days in November Before the first snowflake sailed And I just listened to that one album, like, a billion times. And... Stepdad didn't like it as much as I did, which made it made the epiphany even sweeter, probably. And uh, and it sort of was like my album. Since I was a kid, I've always written most of my melodies uh, walking outside, and I I kind of feel sometimes that I, then I kind of come to the studio and or my or my room and record it that I'm doing like a, a replica of the um, stuff, like the best stuff happened, like on that hill, you know? 
I think nature for an Icelandic person probably has a slightly different meaning than maybe the average urban person. You know, like, no offense, but I think for us Icelandic people, uh, probably because we got no trees really and no animals really, and this geologically it's just really a young place. I remember actually going, the first time I went abroad, I was nine years old, and I went to Norway with my grandfather, and we went on a nine-hour train ride from Oslo to Bergen, and he was terrified, he was so claustrophobic, because he couldn't see the mountains, there were so much trees, and he was just like, this is terrible, he was like really like, like thinking of it as some sort of a second-class country. Maybe it has something to do with the north, you know, the fact that you have this kind of, it's more barren landscapes, with tundras, and uh, it's more about solitude and, and, and becoming one with your, yourself in some sort of a uh, reflective way and, 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 and enjoying the space. You know, it's, it's about space opposed to the clutter and the cluster and the, the busyness of... of like say jungles or cities, you know. And for me, it's just normal. While I crawl into when I was six, I would walk 40 minutes to school and in any weather, and all the kids did that. And I really loved it, I just really loved it. And I would just walk first for 10 minutes and then I would just start humming to myself. And then before I knew it, I was like singing the top of my lungs. I think overall, I'm probably a bit of a northerner. I, I like music that's, uh, that's pretty sparse and, and stark. And uh, I don't, I really notice it with some of the people I love most, my friends who are like, for example, English or something, brought up in the fields. You know, it's there that they like this kind of like layering, delicate layering of like sort of horizontal fields, music like that, sort of almost like ambient. Um, my music is more like that, that lava field, crooked, like eccentric, uh, odd, awkward lava field with that one crooked, optimistic plant, arctic plant in the corner giving it a go <laughs> and uh, a bit of a blizzard once in a while so and or just fierce Icelandic summers with uh, 22 hours of sunlight so it's very it's a different kind of uh, different proportions and I think also in my music I, I like three or four elements, you know, but each one is kind of large. So I, I think uh, I think overall, especially I'm like that. But saying that it, everything you say, there's always the contradiction, right? For sure. And that's something I've, I've actually learning more and more in my life. But uh, but the contradiction to, to everything I just said would be like an album, like for example, Vespertine, where I just, I'd just done homogenic and on purpose homogenic was like, big volcanic beats and 
big dramatic strings and and vocals sung on 11 and and just on the tour where I screamed my heart out every gig and I came home and I was just like like shivering I was like I can never take that sort of I'm so over that sort of intensity it's boring it's predictable it's like oh it's so like whatever so I was just okay let's do the opposite so and I just got my laptop so I was like okay I want to record Skrillian micro beats and and um, have like 100 channels of and where I just you know take the, you know the sound of a cricket's leg and make it louder than any any volcanic beat and uh, and zoom in zoom in into secrets and and tiny quiet things. So, and then that was like layering and layering where I actually uh, had harp, harp players and glockenspiels and I actually ended up going to Vermont where I found a music box company that made huge copper plates the size of like a 12 inch um, where they carved the patterns of my songs in them, make like music boxes and, and I was just like in heaven with like choirs and strings and so that's probably as layery as I've ever gone. And it was really, really, I mean, the editing job on that album was like major. It was like, it basically just took me three years on my laptop, just like making, it was a one big sort of uh, collage piece. And uh, I really enjoyed it, but it, it, I wouldn't say it's, it's me the most typical When I went to Spain in '96, um, I'd had very intense uh, three years, really, really fun years, but it was like really intense, like touring and um, like really uh, probably when I was at most busiest. And I kind of like sort of escaped to Spain, I guess, and I was like, okay, now I want to do. And I started doing homogenic. And I was so happy to be there, you have no idea. And it was like winter in the Mediterranean, which is kind of perfect for Icelandic people because that's like, we, we're not really good at summers in, in uh, Mediterranean, it's too hot for us. And that meant the beaches were kind of empty, you know, and you could walk and work on ideas. So I, I was um, close to Gibraltar, uh, and, uh, and I was like walking on the beach and I had this kind of like little QY70 like a Yamaha songwriting little machine. And I was like walking on that beach and uh, and kind of like taking the piss out of myself and uh, which I'm not sure sometimes people, like my sense of humor is a bit odd and most of the time it's sort of between me and myself and probably everybody else thinks I'm dead serious. But um, then I was kind of taking the piss out of myself um, because I was kind of like touring a lot and kind of bored of writing songs or being this kind of like person who is like the music maker. And then I wrote this song called Hunter and if, and it has a bolero beat, which definitely is some sort of a strange piss take of, of Ravel's bolero. And then I kind of thought, oh, let's face it, that's what I do. I'm a music maker. I'm the hunter. 
obviously obsessed with humor. I mean, a lot of things that I've done have been pretty tongue in cheek for me. I mean, I, I definitely get it that I probably come across being more serious than I actually intend to be. I mean, for example, um, this one dress um, that was definitely a joke. Um, otherwise, I would not have brought six ostrich eggs and left them on the red carpet. Another example is probably the Claire Independence on Volta album. For me, it was like a hilarious protest song. Uh, but I mean, obviously, it's also got a grain of truth in it. It's not like, it doesn't mean that it, it's not serious as well. And um, Metula, a lot of that was hilarious for me, like a cappella music. I just find it a very hilarious music genre, you know, and maybe that's something I managed to embrace a little bit with Spike in the Triumph of a Heart video, um, where we were just being drunk in a bar with all my mates and everybody just starts, like, beatboxing. <laughs> I think with each of my albums, it's like a different story. Um, I kind of come into it, especially in the beginning of each album, differently. And, you, and very often it has to do with the end of the previous one, how it how it ended. You know, for example, uh, you know, like post for me was very much about probably the most extrovert period of my life where I was going a lot to clubs in London and meeting a lot of a lot of people that are still like my some of my best friends and so it was really like you know the city lights you know Trafalgar Square like the most kind of intense kind of Times Square like urban uh, promiscuous kind of like in on every single level And then kind of overdosing from that, maybe a little bit towards the end. And then kind of, so homogenic was a reaction to that. Where it's like, okay, it's it's good to be part of multiculturalism and, you know, cosmopolitan energy. But what, what are you? Like, what is your nationality? Well, how would you do Icelandic beats? And I'm like, oh, actually, I think it's, it's uh, beats made of volcanoes, you know. I mean, another extreme merge is from biophilia into Vulnikura, which is a really sort of, in some ways, opposites. So, um, you know, biophilia being this kind of selfless, pedagogy, philanthropic, you know, the atoms and the universe and everyone <laughs> included equilibrium celebration, uh, you know, like no human scale. It was either micro, macro, sort of uh, element table kind of music teacher thing. And then going to the total opposite, which is the psychological kind of like one-on-one, -on -one, confessional. You know, they're, they're sometimes the albums become, they, they push against each other because uh, the, the previous album has been so intense, something for three years that I sort of just push myself against it and go some other direction. Whereas other things I maybe have a thread, for example, biophilia. I met so many app people and that sort of later became, 
you know, the, the VR element of Wulnikura is, in a way, a continuity of that, you know. If I go through a whole day and I don't listen to music and it can still be an amazing day or, or a, a day where I actually have headphones and I listen to music all day or I, I put an album on in my house, there are like two different um, days. And the fact that you can do have this kind of altern like alternative world that music is and blend it into the life you lead in, in such a seamless way it's it's such a powerful thing and you can be very intentional you know you can wake up and you can say okay I want to feel like this today and I'm gonna put my happiest R&B track on and I, I'm gonna play a happy R&B set you know playlist for two hours in the morning and it's it, it totally sets your whole day off you know or if you start playing you know, your really tragic string quartet, whatever, over breakfast, it's gonna like set you down a certain, uh, into a certain, you know, loop. And I, I love that about music, you know. And I, I think, as a musician, we are obviously, we're always trying to set up a situation. I've said it before, like organizing an accident, because it can't be too deliberate, but where you are in a cabin with friends and you happen to have prepared beats or prepared chords, or you've actually made a written song, but you haven't done the beats, or you're trying to set up a situation where you can just have this kind of like f moment of freedom and spontaneity and and that you could capture that somehow and the, to have that spirit of transcendence. Uh, you try it all the time. But, I mean, I'm not going to be the judge of how often I've, I've managed to do it, but it's always the, the target. And I think as a musician, I think we all aim for it all the time and then... If, if only 5% of the times we manage to do it, that's, it's still all worth it, you know? Conversation was produced by Dub Lab, a nonprofit radio station broadcasting live from Los Angeles since 1999. Sound editing and theme song by Matea Bain. For more programming, visit dublab.com. And thank you for listening.